0: Stand by America, this is Perro's P aka the Reb, the Reb with a cause, and the cause is you licensed by the state of awareness to live life to its fullest, we hope. And that means giving it the best shot that we have every single day, every single moment. Doesn't matter what happened yesterday that you fell or this morning and you didn't think you'd do what you wanted to do, start today. You can even start again today, many, many times, as Great has said. They fell a thousand times, even during the same day, and they just kept getting up and picking themselves up again. So I want you to start that today. All right, my talk lines are going to be open today, seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. Question of the day, anything that's on your mind that we can walk through or work through, I want you to uh, give me a call. We are going, going to go into full coats mode, trying to help you be the best you can be, but at the same time, helping me to be the best that I can be. I had this conversation with, the other, with, a, with a friend of mine the other day. You know, sometimes people that are in the uh, In the arena, as it were of helping other people have to make sure that they themselves are qualified to do that not just by training and experience but actually working through the ideas that they talk to other people about that is something I can assure you that is the shim I have done do now and hopefully will continue to do you know one of the things that can help each and every one of us is visual rehearsals it 's uh, it's the type of thing where you visualize yourself being successful. Charlie Harari talks about it from uh, you know his studies on, on behavior. Rabbi Moshe Gans talks about it in uh, his book on bringing out the best in yourself, and others called success. So that's a great way to uh, to do that. And if you rehearse things in your mind, it can result in even more successful performances if you believe in you have the ability to succeed. Remember when I was thinking karate, uh, martial arts. So they would tell you, think through the piece of wood. Now, that doesn't mean that if you think thinking through a piece of concrete and you don't have the training to do it. You're going to be able to punch or kick through the concrete. But if you've been training to do it, and you now have the skill to do it, if you believe that you can do it with a cottage girl of yourself, and that is the main caveat, with a cottage girl of yourself, but if you believe that you can do it, if you say to yourself, with a cottage girl of yourself, I can do it, I will do it, and I have to do it. So when you anticipate and see the success through like we did punching through the board, it was amazing. Starting out, I mean, after training for a month or 2 who we'd think they'd be able to punch through an inch or two of plywood. But the instructions were think through it as though your fist or foot went through it already. And it's amazing how it worked because normally you would think your, your foot or your fist would stop right at the beginning of the, of the, uh, of the strike. Into the wood, but if you thought through it, you were remarkably, pleasingly surprised as you got busted right through. And you can break through also with a cardiological historical self, of course. If you don't expect to succeed, you're going to live up to your own expectation, right? It's going to cause you frustration. So, if you anticipate that you've done the right things all along, you're going to picture yourself achieving. You become motivated to reach into your innocent resources to find new ways and new solutions. Even if it means doing that you're know, getting new training. But if you don't expect that you're gonna succeed in what you're doing, so even if you think you want it, you're not really gonna make the effort to achieve it, you know, to that what makes you think you're gonna achieve it. Therefore we you say, Why well, put in time and effort into a project that I can't succeed in any way? Have you ever done anything like that? So I want you to call me on that today. Um, 718 683 5, 8, 5, 8. talk about something where you've got an obstacle that you want to overcome. You know, let's see how you can visualize getting through it, whether it's in a relationship or a problem or a job or uh, you know, anything along those lines. You, you know, pick a question, call me, and we'll, we'll try and walk it through again. I don't claim to know everything, but you can talk to me about anything. I only have, you know, one degree in psychology. That's true. I have uh, about 40 years of experience in helping people and motivating people, including myself. And um now achieving the uh, certified coach status, whatever that's worth, I think you know my experience is worth more than anything and I, and I guess the uh the, the gradual work that I did in uh in broadcast media, which had a lot to do with behavior and the degree I got in psychology and the training I got there. but more than that, the training and experience that I've had in terms of the broadcast industry, working with people and as a motivational speaker. That has given me tremendous insight, and um, I hope God-given ability, which I want to share with you. Again, I don't claim to know everything, but uh, you can talk to me about anything. Let's talk about some examples of visualization, and uh, this is something Robert Gans talks about. Let's put this all together and see how we can visualize rehearsal to reach um, everyday goals. Let's say, and this I think is a pretty pretty good example, right? And I think um, most of us can relate to this some manner, shape, or form. Take a newlywed. Um, there was an example you gave him before where this person, this young woman, was ready to give up on a marriage after being married a very short time because she just couldn't tolerate her husband's temper. Now, that does not excuse husband's temper. He should have been called in the carpet by his rebellion and by his family that you can't behave that way and you better fix it and nip it in the bud quickly. But let's look at look at it from her side. How how could she use the visualization to help her keep the marriage intact without just saying, "Okay, my happiness sandwich is not ninety eight point six today. It's not what I visualized. It's not what I really wanted." If I would have known, yeah. Well, what could she do to use her visualization to keep the marriage intact? Again, not not saying that the the husband had any right to lose his temper, and that he didn't have to work on his own anger management. Definitely, but without without caving in to the fact that you know he has to he has to work on himself and he's got this problem. How could she visualize um, the situation to help keep her marriage intact? Well, first she could take the attitude, "Okay, um, there's a solution, and I'm going to find it." I'm not gonna let my husband's anger destroy my marriage. Expecting the best to be in the frame of mind to devise a plan of action. Now she just reframed it, right? I'm gonna try and make it work. If you can't make it work, you can't make it work. Okay, we understand there's nobody home to talk about and there's nothing you can do about it. But assuming that you did have an equity of love and caring when you went into the marriage, so you can think to yourself, okay, what can I do to make this better? What can I do to make it better? Let him do what he has to do. Well, what can I do to reframe my attitude? So she could, with the help of somebody who was an expert, make a plan. And even without the expert, she could create a mental picture of him implementing it successfully. Like what? Well, she could picture every detail her husband losing his temper. There he is, going off the handle again and screaming, the angry expression on his face. She's, she's thinking about it. And the confident way that she would look at him, the assertive words she would use, the calm tone of voice, her attitude of courage and assertiveness, and the surprised expression on her hubby's face when he sees her response, her husband becoming subdued, and the satisfying feeling of success after it's all over. As Shlomo Melik says, a soft answer turns away wrath. anger. What about an office worker that, uh, could use the same strategy. This person was ready to look for a new job because they couldn't deal with a critical boss. Uh, I'm not going to deal with that time. He's just overly critical. Boom, I'm out of here. Instead, 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 the person could adopt a different attitude and say, you know, I have the ability to deal successfully with this fellow. So what? He's critical, you know? let Let him check that at the door. But, I always avoided difficult people in the past, but now I know there's a way to deal with them. I'm just going to learn how to cope with it. I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to get some advice and solve the problem. Meaning, you can't control somebody else, but you can control yourself. We can control our attitude. And our attitude, as I've said many times before, is the way we determine our, our altitude, how high, how far we're going to go. You make this plan, you create mental pictures of implementing it successfully, and then you picture and play it out every detail in your mind. And instead of um, just being tormented by the boss, becoming critical of the way she performed in, in the office, the way he was harsh and unpleasant, the, um, the poor choice of words that he said, and her courage of standing up to him. Now, she pictured this, what she would say to him and how she would do it assertively, and the feeling of accomplishment after it, then you would have let's say, a faith school teacher, where they're dealing with a very difficult situation, ready to give up on several kids, several students, because they thought that they didn't have the skill to teach them successfully. Instead, the school teachers take the attitude, you know, I haven't taught these type of students that are so weak. You know, this is the first time, but there's always the first time. I mean, you know, I'm going to find out how to do it and I will succeed, Deshem. So then he'd figure out a plan of action and create detailed mental pictures of implementing it successfully. Now is there a guarantee the strategy will work well as Rebbe Gan says no there isn't. However, as as we know, one thing is guaranteed the chance of success is much greater with positive expectations and images of success than without them. Positive expectations and images of success than without them. And if you use this positive approach, that's going to be self-enabling. But using the negative approach is self-limiting. And you can't be positive and say, I'm positive, but I know that it's lousy. That's not positive. And we all know the famous experiment that was done years and years ago, and it repeated the experiment as well, where teachers took a class of high-performing kids and told them that they had no chance of doing well on a particular exam. It was just way too hard. And you know what? Most of those kids did not do well on the test because the expectations that they uh, were given were ones that they met. Whereas low-performing students were told by teachers, this is something you can do very well in. It's really much easier than previous tests, and you all have the ability to pass well, and you have all been trained. You're all going to do very well, and I'm very confident. You know, they did. They lived up to the expectations one way or the other. All right, can you think of something where you uh, had a situation like that? you just reframed how you treated it, how you dealt with it, and how it uh, turned out well, or what are you going to right now? A situation that you're having a problem with, and you're ready to pack out or just throw in the towel, give up, trust a Well, I'm I'm not saying there aren't times where you, you do have to pack in the night. There are just times where you've done everything you can, but now here's the question. Have you done everything you can? Can you think of a situation now that possibly could turn around if you turned around your attitude and reframed how you dealt with the situation. Again, not, not, we're not discounting the fact that those that are the cause of the problem have to reframe what they're doing. But for the time being, can you think of something that if you did it and you pictured yourself being successful in that situation by reacting differently and then visualizing yourself reacting differently and the the way the thing might turn out. Can you think of a situation that possibly reframing your thinking and your attitude and rehearsing it over and over in your mind so that you see it played out might make a difference? Let's try it. Let's try an experiment. Seven one eight, six eight, three, five eight, five eight. Give me a call. Let's think of something that's bothering you, that you have a challenge with, that we can walk through, reframing what your attitude might be and how we can rehearse that and then you can try it and then we can get back to each other and to see if it, if it worked. so let's try it. You want to be part of this great experiment? Call me seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. By the way, with the Kaddish Baruch's help, as I've spoken uh, to you before, and I'd rather say that I don't do a lot, uh, all for the boys, for kids, the young readers' edition, the audio edition. I'm happy to say, with the Kaddish Baruch's help, is uh, just about ready. It's uh, getting ready for packaging and distribution. I want to let you all know about that. When it is ready, I'd like you to go to your local bookstore and please order it and and, uh, and give it to anybody who you know would benefit from it. It can be read along with the book or it can be listened to independently. I think uh, your kids and grandchildren and you enjoy it. But for the first recallers now, I'm going to send you a complimentary copy. And uh, everybody else, I'll tell you how you pre-sourced sale. Hi, Terrence B, aka The Red. How are you today? Hello? Hi? Okay. Anyway, so practice doesn't just make perfect, it makes permanent. And you've heard the saying, practice makes perfect, right? That's only true if you practice properly. If you practice wrong, it's not going to make perfect, it's going to be imperfect and a habit which is very tough to correct. So, it would be better to say, as again says, practice makes permanent. If you keep performing a task correctly, then you're going to build it into a habit. And if you practice performing a task correctly, you're going to make a habit of doing it correctly. So it follows. You have this visual rehearsal. You just keep practicing and practicing. And then, if you do it right, you're going to, to see results. And if you don't know how to perform, don't so no guess. Don't mentally rehearse how you suppose it might be. But if it's wrong, then you're just going to um, view yourself and press yourself with a bad habit. Instead, seek training from an expert. Somebody who you know will give you the ability to train visualization. When well, you practice it in your mind the right way, you're going to be prepared to perform it properly when you need to. All right, that's what I'm going to say about that right now. <clears throat> One of the things I want to talk about today, and I didn't hear from you yet, uh, 718 <coughs> i a little bit of, um, I hope it's not long but, um, I'm going to have him take care of this, so we're going uh, do an abbreviated version today. I hope it's still a call, I'd like to hear from you, 718 Who's wealthy? Is it usher, somebody who's Samantha right? Somebody who's Samantha Are you happy with your lot? Are you? Well, that's one of the measures of knowing whether or not you are a wealthy person. Well, in this week's Parsha, we can also have an understanding of how a person really can be truly wealthy. As Avram expired and died in a good old age, uh, mature and content, and content. Right. So, our beloved Rebbe Rabbi Echenach brings down a Ramban that explains that this Pasuk elucidates two points. Firstly, the Gashmi is the material blessings and bounty that Hashem bestows upon Sabikim. Secondly, the greatness of Al-Muzino. He was so Meach Bechelko, satisfied with his lot. He wasn't one who looked to get luxuries. And the of the Midrash, that those who love money aren't satisfied with money. You love guilt. You're not going to be satisfied with it. They've got 100. They want 200. They've got 200. They want 400. It's more, more, more. Give me more. Give me more. I want more. Give me more. It's not enough. Give me more right now. Well, you know what I'm talking about? Okay. The Torah's view of Aram's greatness seems a little puzzling. I want to ask you something. Why is he praised for being satisfied with his lot? After all, HaKadosh Baruch who blessed him with extraordinary wealth and honor. He was saved from the fiery furnace, given a son in his old age, and promised by HaKadosh Baruch that his descendants would not only be as numerous as the stars of the heavens, but ultimately selected as, uh, as uh, Hashem's chosen Hashem's chosen nation. So I want to ask you something. Was it really a test for Avram Ravina who had so much to be happy with what he had? Wouldn't you and I, my entire friends, each of us be happy with a lot if we merited all of these rewards? What is the Torah showing us here? What do you think about that? What what's going on? seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. What are we talking about here? Why is it that the Ramban is telling us that it elucidates these points? That material blessings and bounty that Shem bestows upon the righteous, and secondly, the greatness of Avram Venum so with some the Helko. Well, but he had a pretty nice Hellcoat, don't you think? Can you explain that? Can you think of a reason why? I'm gonna give you a phenomenal reason. That's brought down by Robin Leadwoods, but I don't want you to call me. It's seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. Iran, will take a brief musical break. We'll come back. You can interrupt the music if there's a call. Otherwise we'll be back and I will give you the answer and then we're gonna sign off and wish you a great week. But stay tuned right here on J and by the way, I wanna tell you something. Um there's a lot of garbage out there, lower lane, on a lot of these second stations, one in particular. And I want you to stay away from it. I want you to stay away from it. We are providing you with a great alternative. It's not a matter of putting people down to make us great. It's a matter of keeping you safe and sound and, uh, and, and your mind pure and, and, and filled with good things. Why? Because you, you're worth it. I've heard the most terrible things in terms of kshira, happy courses putting down Yiddish kite. These guys on, uh, a a couple in particular, two people on uh, WABC radio, and I I think you have to be aware, but if you're listening to them, I would urge you, it's just going to poison your mind. I'll tell you, after I heard last week, um, one of them was talking about, he was making... He knows about Lakewood and you know, because he knew that people kept Shabbat. He was really very snide. And the other fellow, who really is a, a self-hating Jew, and this fellow was, you know, just saying things which were blasphemy outright, and I just turned it off immediately, and I was sick that I even listened to it, and I felt terrible that it was a guy who obviously they thought was a religious person who, based on what he was saying, I would really wonder about his own religiosity, let alone his Yiddishkeit. Um, but it was just terrible, and these types of things have a bad influence on people. You don't have to listen to that garbage. Make it a point not to. I'm you know, talking about the two characters that, uh, that um, are on WADC who uh, really are an, are an embarrassment in many ways, not only to the secular community, but certainly to those with the religious community. And you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Anyways, you don't need that nonsense. You don't need that garbage because you have a much better alternative right here on the station that listens to you. All right, we'll be back after this and we'll wrap it up. Parents B, a.k.a. the Reb, the, the Rev with the cause, and the cause is you. Licensed by the State of Awareness to live life to its fullness. We'll be back right after this.
1: Have me say no. Who do right T'at-e-mi-sheb-e-ra-cha-b-e-se-num se num u hiv or ve ra pev esach le you I'm here,
0: be with you. Okay, everybody. So let me just lay it out as uh, I was saying, and that is who is wealthy. So if you're listening to this, sit down for a moment. In your car, pull over for a moment. And listen to these words that Rabbi Kennech-Liebel, it's a kind of brings to bear. And something you and I are going to be able to walk out with. Okay, remember when I said about visualization, this ties into that as well. The Torah is showing us the powerful force of the human desire for wealth and luxuries. We know that it exists. Who are we kidding? As a challenge, even the most righteous overcome. And that's right, even Tzadikim, even Tzadikim, are challenged many times, overcome successfully. We often hear the familiar with language. You know, a uh, person would say, if they would win the lottery, then they'd be happy. trying to get the tzedakah, they get the charity, be satisfied with the financial situation of you it. Know, Hashem would give that person a million or two million dollars or a large amount of money. Well, they'd never desire anything more. So that statement indicates that the person is not satisfied right now. And even if their money doubled or quadrupled, the desire for more would merely keep a step ahead of his level of wealth. Now, were it not for Avram unique capabilities, I mean, even he, he was blessed with everything, would not have been happy with his lot. No one, nobody's above the desire for more luxury and riches, no matter how much they already have. They're not; they're not beyond the desire for it. it doesn't mean they have it, but they're doesn't doesn't mean they're immune to it. Now, the Sefer charm in Chapter eleven, teaches us. That with the desire for money, you know what a person is doing also? They're forfeiting their freedom, since he's chaining himself to his work and business to fulfill his need for wealth. Where well, we've seen that, people call it golden handcuffs, and they're just working until the day that they can retire to the golf course. The quest for riches, um, the Nassilis Sharp's opinion is expo- he doesn't say the golf course, but, you know, it could mean that. It exposes a person to many dangers. I don't mean the golf course expenses, many dangers. I might also look out for you know, the ball. I mean the quest for riches exposes one too many dangers and then weakens the person with a great deal of worrying even after the person acquired a lot of wealth. It says in Perky Halas, a person who multiplies material possessions multiplies the worries. It drives a person to transgress God's with us to show them the laws of the Torah and even causes him to violate natural rules of reason. So, the Ibn Ezra in his commentary in Kehelis uses it an even stronger tone. Listen to this. He interprets Shlomo Mellis words as telling us don't be evil and involve yourself in matters of the material world. Make do with what you have because the foolishness of desiring more will cause you an early death. You want to keep yourself from having an early death, is one way to do it. The very desire for more things in this world, remove, remove one through from an untimely death, that doesn't mean people we're free of that, don't have untimely death, if they do, but this is a surefire guarantee to bring it upon somebody. So you can rule that one out and hope and hope that you have a long life if you if you at least put this in gear, you know, engage this idea. Just don't don't have tithes for things that are beyond your reach. I mean in terms of gosh I mean, it's you it certainly should. You should always want more. But the, look at the guy's car and say Ooh, I'd like that. really that. Really, I, w- I would look good in that car. And it doesn't just limit itself to cars, right? We can think of things and objects, whether they be, um, I mean, whatever form they are, that people just desire. If I only had that, person thinks. If I only had that, you could show them the object of that desire. You'd be happy. But that's not really true, is it? Hashem equips each of us with the tools and materials we need to serve Him properly. He gives us what we need and furnishes us with the ability to live with what He has given us. Now That doesn't mean it applies to rookies again. You want to strive for more, but if you focus on what you don't have in terms of how I ain't going to be happy. It doesn't mean you shouldn't try to better your situation than you more. But if you're constantly seeking that golden ring and you're not going to be happy until you have it, you're not going to be happy. Even if you do get it, we focus on this and this, and accept it as our perspective on life so that we would tell us that regardless of our financial situation, we will be wealthy, as the teaches us, as it was somebody who's some math, the telco. You're happy with what you've got, and you learn to be happy with it, and you appreciate it, and you relish it. You will be happy. And that's not a, that's a terrorist, that's not just making you rationalize it. You don't mean you savor every moment that you have. You got up and you could breathe today. Cherish every moment that you don't have to be in something that helps you to breathe. You got up you could see today? Be happy to be able to open your eyes, that you could see, that you could hear, you could think, you could speak. The correct kind of board that you can use to help and encourage people. All right. I'd love to hear from you. My talk lines will be open. My listen lines are open at 848 uh, 221 Feel free to give me a call or drop me a note at com. This is Paris B., Thank you, Iran and everybody at j Please listen. Please support our sponsors, or please be our sponsor. Yeah, listen to the sponsors we you hear. Purchase from them. And if you want to be a sponsor, well, call me, 848 I'll describe to you how you can get a great package, not only on my show, but on other shows as well, that you can be a, uh, a sponsor to get people interested in your product or service, and uh, anything that you got. So give us a call at eight four eight two two one four six zero five. I'll tell you how you can do that. Meanwhile, in the words of Hillel, the rest is commentary. Now go and learn.